it's time for me to take on other fantasy basketball analysts and they can tell me why I'm stupid and I can tell them also while they're stupid. It's going to be fun. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by the GameTime app. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free, and we are available on all platforms. All right, we are here to do a new series. It was not a new series. It's a series that we've done in the past so many different times, but I'm just mixing it up. We used to call them ADP battles. I'm just doing something a little bit different here where I'm just getting a bunch of fantasy analysts on over this week. got seven of them coming on to talk to me about uh, things in my rankings that they disagree with, and I can do the same to them. So we might as well uh, might as well bring him in right now because he's the first off the first cab off the rank to talk about the uh, the rankings issues you might see with me and me with him. It is of course Mitchell Casey from Ball Boys. Mitch, welcome. Hey Josh, uh, thanks for having me on. Feel a bit of pressure on me being first cab off the rank, but uh, hopefully I can bring the heat today and. Uh, yeah, we can talk some smack. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you'll be totally fine. I'm I'm feeling the pressure as well, Mitch, because this is the first one of these that I've done for the season, and we don't know exactly how it's all going to play out. And I'm working with graphics and trying to process Drew Holiday trades, and everything's working here behind us. And we're actually going to. I was going to have a crack at you about your ranking of Rob Williams uh, on this show, but we've had to scrap that last minute because, of course, he's been yeah, dealt now to Portland. You had him higher than me, and now uh, you're uh, you're joining me on the dark side of Rob Williams maybe not being a top 100 player. Yeah, well, now he's no longer a Celtic, so I don't have my Celtic <laughs> bias on now. So I can uh, I can now look at it more objectively and, and see that he's, yeah, probably not someone I want to draft inside the top 100. So, yeah, no longer scrapping that one. I would say, just quickly on Rob, because we were going to talk about him, but in a points league, I don't think I'd even bother drafting uh, him, to I be honest. No. He's not, he's not, he's not worth it. Like, where's the upside in it? And in a category, I can get it, but we're talking around 10, maybe. And I was probably had him around nine before. I think you had him like around seven ish, round eight, sort of an area. And it's just really hard. And my argument I did in my show earlier was that he could play with Porzingis and Horford fine. I don't know how it works with that. I don't know how the hell they play together. No, yeah, he, he could play um, next to those guys on the offensive end because the floor spacing worked. Um, and on defense, I actually think Rob's a better. He's better than he gets credit for in terms of defending in space because True. he uses his length so well. Um, but if you got Aiden on the court, like the floor spacing in that situation is garbage. And um, you're also going from a situation where Al Horford was going to play, you know, every second game and yeah. miss all the back-to-backs and things like that. So he would, you know, have some low minutes, but then some high minutes. Whereas this time he's he's basically the backup Aiden. So his minutes to me come way down. And uh, 
yeah, no longer no longer a great situation for him. So far, when setting up these rankings battles between you here and Rob Williams and another one where someone was challenging me for having Derek White too low, I'm 2-0 and already before things have even started. I've, I've already won. I'm already, <laughs> already up and nothing's even happened yet. I've already had the debates and I've already, already, already won those ones. But Mitch, it is time for you to have a crack at me because I presented you a list of players I did to everyone and said, hey, tell me what's wrong. Tell me why I'm stupid. So we're going to start with the first one of these. And it is, um, it is your boyfriend. We are going to talk about Evan Mobley. So, Mitch, you have the floor. Have a crack. What's, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong with me having Mobley where I've got him? Well, I know that you call Evan Mobley affectionately the koala. The koala. And it must be because you are also falling asleep on him because <laughs> uh, he is someone that... Look, he's going to his third year in the NBA. He, to me, is the best talented player from his draft class. He's already been an all-defensive player uh, in his second year, the youngest player to do that since Kobe Bryant. And last year, he had to adapt to the Donovan Mitchell acquisition, and his field goal attempts from his rookie season to his second year in the NBA went completely the same. He, I think he put up 12 shots per game uh, in both years. So he kind of – his breakout was um, – halted a little bit from last year but i think this is the year that it really steps up and i've been citing my excitement for Evan mobley to two two things number one is the fact that um in the playoffs they obviously were very disappointing and, and fell out much earlier than they would have liked and one of the biggest reasons that that was the case is because Jarrett allen obviously was a a, a bit of a disappointment and number two in the offseason they've gone and had a sneaky acquisition of george niang which i think is a very under-the-radar move, which allows them at least to begin the season the ability to experiment with um, him playing more at the power forward and then Mobley playing more at the center, which I think just boosts, one, his minutes maybe up one or two per game, but also just allows him to be close to the rim, get more um, you know, shots at the rim, increasing his field goal percentage, increasing his rebounds, increasing his blocks. There's also talk about him playing, uh, doing more playmaking on this team as well. A lot of quotes coming out about him doing a bit more um, you know, playmaking from the post and things like that. Plus, again, just going into the third year, you're going to expect that the usage comes up, which didn't come up at all last year. So if he takes even any more shots than he did in his rookie season, um, plus the improved efficiency, which he showed last year, you're looking at a guy that can average 20, 10, three assists, four assists, and nearly two blocks per game on efficient shooting. I know the free throws suck, but again, he is a guy that his jump shot isn't broken. So I'm not projecting him to make a huge jump in his free throw percentage, but it would not shock me at all if he's not necessarily a punt free throw guy because his his jump shot is nice. It looks like he can shoot. Um, again, I'm not projecting that to happen, but it could happen and be a nice surprise. So I'm very keen on Evan Mobley this, this year. And when you can get a guy who blocks shots that doesn't tank your points, doesn't tank your assists or steals as well, I think that's just an extra bit of added bonus compared to having to grab like a Walker Kessler or one of those types later in the draft um, who are really tough to build around those types of things. I agree with nearly everything you said, right? Like he, I do think that, I agree with everything you said, except that you're wrong. But I, I do agree with what, what you said, right? He's, I think he is going to get more usage this season. I think he's going to play more center. I wouldn't be shocked if Jared Allen is traded at some point. I think that his blocks could rise playing more center. I think all of that is possible. Um, the jump shot might not look broken, but it is. Like he shot like 20, what, 25% from three or something horrific last season. I actually do think he can get to at least low 30s and, and I agree about the playmaking. I've got him like in the 40s, right? Which is a jump up from where he was last season. But you've got him in the second round, Mitch. Like that, you say that 
we look in year three that players are going to take usage jumps. In year three, players do take steps forward. A lot of it is inefficiency or it's getting to the line. Where's he getting the shots from? Like, we can talk about Jarrett Allen. He doesn't take shots. Like, is he taking them off Donovan Mitchell? Is he taking them off Isaac Okoro, who's not going to be starting anymore? Like, that's not a high shot player. Is he taking them off Darius Garland? Where is he getting the shots from? Where are you pulling these shots out of? I do I do have um, Donovan Mitchell pulling back a little bit in shots um, this season. I just think that the balance of like the front court to back court, um, I guess usage is a little bit off kilter for for the Cavs. I think that they would like to to again, we don't know if Donovan Mitchell's gonna be around on this team next season is another That's kind true. of thing you can throw into the mix there. So whether or not um, Cleveland just wants to just feed the ball a bit more to Evan Mobley, I, I think that um, yeah, so I've got I've got Donovan Mitchell falling about you know three to four points per game this season. He was very very good coming into um, Cleveland in his first year. I don't think any of us expected him to be as good as he was. Um, so I think that that just scales back a tiny bit this season. And basically all of those shots I think are going to go towards Mobley because again he just is the future of this NBA team. I think he's he's going to be their best player in one to two years i think he's just that good um and he's been recognized on the defensive end but i think on the offensive side of the floor he will get his and i think it's going to just going to happen sooner rather than later because um he's just a really special talent and i think this year this is a very roundabout answer but i'm trying to make an adjustment to put more stock into players that i just think are really good and wait more downwards on players that i think are bad and this all comes off the back of last year i was very keen on like a, a jalen smith uh, because mm. of the opportunity that he have had, but I thought he was a bad NBA player. So, but I overlooked that. So my learnings from that is that I'm just trying to put more stock into players that I think are good, and I really do believe in the talent that Mobley has. And I just think that the team's going to figure out a way to get the ball in his hands more on the offensive side of the floor. And him playing center, I think, is a big game changer. I think if you want to feel good about yourself, play this video back in 12 months' time because I think you're going to be right in 12 months' time. I think I don't think Donovan Mitchell is necessarily going to be on this team in 12 months' time. And then I think Mobley and Garland are getting you know, 18 to 20 shots per game and they're the clear one-two, whichever order, offensive and defensive, you want to put that, right? I think that's pretty clear. I'm just not sure that Mitchell's going to take that big of a step back, which is probably like, if you think he's going to drop four points, that's probably what six shots a game, maybe five, five shots a game down. That's a pretty big drop. And I'm not really sure that that's necessarily going to happen or that it's all going to funnel through to Mobley because he might lose a shot. But you know, Max Struess replacing Isaac Okoro is a different usage proposition. Okoro never touched it, never shot it, whereas Struess will get those shots. So um, you're right, but you're also wrong. So we'll see how we go. I, I, I love Mobley as well. I just think you're maybe, you're maybe one year too early on it. We're going to come back because you've got, you got more to, to talk shit to me about, so we'll get to that in a second. But today's episode, as I went too early on that, today's episode is brought to you by the Game Time app. Maybe you're like Mitch and you cannot wait to go see the koala Evan Mobley in a game in Cleveland. And you're like, how do I get tickets? Because it's just such a frustrating process to get tickets sometimes. You never know what you're getting. There's hidden fees. What seat are you getting? Well, Game Time solves all of those problems. You can see your view directly from the seat. You've got the killer last minute deals as well. Plus, they've got this thing called the zone deal. You just pick a section that you want to sit in and Game Time goes, all right, bet, just let me handle everything else. And they pick a seat and you get an average of 18% savings by letting them pick the exact seat that you, or they pick the seat in the exact zone that you want. 
doesn't take long to buy these tickets as well. They've got plenty of protections built in and you're always going to get that best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. So download the GameTime app, create an account and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. As I just, again, just try and reproduce this myself. All right, so we are coming back here, Mitch, for you to have another crack at me. We are going to talk about Anthony Simons. Now, I'll just quickly set the scene. Obviously, Anthony Simons has been freed, I guess. Drew Holiday, Damian Lillard are gone out of Portland. Malcolm Brogdon's there now. Um, But you think that I'm too aggressive on Anthony Simons. So, okay. I think I know what you're going to tell me. I think you know I know what you're going to say. So tell me. What is it? What's what's your problem? Well, there's there's two things here. Last year he played 35 minutes a game. So the minutes have got nowhere to go. They're not going up. That's true. Um, despite Damon Lillard coming over. So I think at best he does exactly what he did last year. Number two, Scoot Henderson's in town and um the biggest upside that we've seen from Anthony Simons in the past was him playing point guard when Lillard was not in the team and he was replacing him, much like the Tyus Jones replacing Ja Morant and he's heading over to a Washington Wizards sort of situation where we expect him to take a jump up. But actually, he's playing alongside another player that will have the ball in his hands a lot in Scoot. And I'm a big Scoot believer. I think Portland are obviously massively in on him as well. So the question I would throw over to you, and I I don't know if I believe this, but, but are we sure that he's starting? Are we sure that Anthony Simons is going to be starting at the two guard and they're not just going to put um, Shaden Sharp in there, play him next to a, a Scoot Henderson? There's There was quotes towards the end of last year, I think, as the, the team was wrapping up that Simons said the writing was on the wall and he's, um, you know, he, he sort of sees where this is going. And I, and I think that I see where this is going as well with Simons not necessarily being in their plans in the future. I think he's more destined to a six-man role in the NBA whether or not that happens for the first half of this season, I'm not sure. But I think definitely more towards the fantasy basketball playoffs, we're going to start to see him trending in the wrong direction. Um, I don't see that much in assists upside. Yeah, he's going to shoot a lot of threes. But if we're worried about a player like Jordan Poole's field goal percentage, then Anthony Simon's field goal percentage is going to hurt a whole lot more. And he doesn't get to the free throw line, doesn't get um, you know, 0.7 steals. Um, he might average what, two rebounds per game. Um, he might block 0.1 shots per game. There's a lot of negatives in his game. So threes is going to be his big thing. He'll score a decent amount of points. But outside of that, it does feel very empty to me. So um, where I think you had him ranked, I'm just not that interested. I had him in like the 60s um, zone and I think he can probably get higher. Now, Mitchell, the things that you said again, like uh, I've said these things, like he's not going to be that top 30 player that he was when Lillard was out down the stretch. He's he's not like because he did need that ball in his hands. And you're also right because I I reported this about Simons last year is that they were looking to move on from him, but they're not at the moment. So they, they were going to do that and they were going to package him along with that pick if Charlotte didn't Charlotte and take Scoot at that situation. They were going to move on from him, right? But they're not. So he's there, and what I have been... Okay, I was... I was like, I'm not sure where it's going to go. I was sitting there. Then I got told by a couple of people that don't be shocked if this bloke is top 10 in the NBA in scoring. They want to really focus and see what he can do. And I said, well, I don't know about that. But that's what I was told, right? 
sneaky chance that they're, they're going to focus on him. And if you hear it from one person, you're like, all right, fine, whatever. And then a second person says, don't be surprised about this. And they're people that you know that are talking to people in the league. And you go, okay, all right. That's very interesting to me because I, I had the same concerns. Like I, I think that Scoot and Sharper are the backcourt of the future, but Simons is what, 24? He's not old. Oh, he's not, he couldn't, it's not that he can't be a part of that future. I do think they'd still be best off moving on at some point. I just don't think it's going to happen this season. And while I agree with you that he doesn't rebound, he doesn't get to the line, he can get to the line now. Like He's going to be running this offense. As much as Scoot is the point guard and he's really, really good at it, Simons is still going to be considered the number one is, is what I have been led to believe. Top 30, forget it. Like I'm not interested in that at all. And you said about like if we're worried about Jordan Poole's field goal percentage, we should be worried about Simons. I'm not worried about Jordan Poole's field goal percentage. I don't care. And I'm the same with Simons. Like If you're dropping 25, maybe with four and a half assists and hitting three threes a game, and I think he can get to the line a little bit more and he's an excellent three point uh, free throw shooter, it's not going to be for everybody when you're picking him in round six, right? It's just not going to make sense for every single team. But I think this situation where I feel, I'm not 100%, but I feel a level of confidence that they are going to be focusing on him while Scoot learns some stuff about running an NBA team. Um, I'm very interested to see what he does. Now, Scoot has been going in some mocks I've seen around the 60 mark. Don't tell me you'd take Scoot over Simons because I might have to end the call right now. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing that. But I, I do just think that um, Scoot is maybe more ready than your typical rookie guard to come in and just go, yeah, this is my team. I can handle it. He's been playing the G League for two seasons. He's built like a like a truck. He, I think he can handle that kind of responsibility. I think the fact that you didn't get any guards come back outside of um, – broken down Malcolm Brogdon in the Drew Holiday deal may mean that he does get the like backup minutes in, at point guard behind a scoot. But I still think that if you're thinking about him taking the role and responsibility while scoot gets up to speed, I don't know if there's much that scoot needs to get up to speed um, as, as far as playmaking goes. His shot will be the, the suspect thing. The percentage will be iffy, but um, just in terms of how that affects Simon's, I think that Simons will, yeah, it's not going to be a huge boost to him with Scoot there, in my opinion. But again, it, it does come down to punting and things like that. But even in my minus one projections, because he's so bad in so many categories in rebounds, steals, blocks, field goal percentage, you're going to have to be a specific kind of team to really take advantage of his strengths. Yeah, I get that. Like, I think that you're considering him like like a Tyler Hero, we sort of play, but Hero's a better rebounder. He's Jordan Poole, but Poole's got more assists and more free throws. So I'm going to have him behind all of those players. But yep. know, we're in a situation here where yeah, Brogdon's, when I tried to work this out on my Drew Holiday trade show earlier today, is there's 144 minutes to play between the one, two, and the three. There's Scoot, there's Simons, there's Sharp, there's Thibel, and there's Brogdon. It's really easy for him to get all those minutes and touches there. Like There's no one else getting those minutes in that spot. It's not Skylar Mays that's playing there. It is easy to do, and I just... Again, if you look at the other guys who are available, and I think you had him in the 90s, I think, from memory, in your uh, where rankings. Have I, Let's have uh, a look. I have him 80, or 83 minus 1, 98, 9 cats. So, yeah, I've if got him it, 80s to 90s. If you think about the other guys like in that sort of an area where I'm looking at, at your numbers now, like I just think that he's got up, more upside to beat a lot of those players. And it, it does come down to very specific things. And I'm just... Just from what I heard about that usage stuff, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. But now, Mitch, you've told me I'm dumb with Evan Mobley. You told me that I don't know what I'm talking about, and I'm just off with Mobley, and I'm off with Simons. We're going to get have a crack at some of your ones. We'll get to that in just a sec. It's time for me 
to have a go at Mitchell Casey about his ranking of DeMontis Sabonis. Sabonis currently has an ADP of, what is it, 19 over on Yahoo. Last, I, I get the feeling that you were down on Sabonis last season as well. I think that is Yeah, that, I is that hate true? Sabonis. Yeah. I, I just I hate him. <laughs> I think he's a bust. He's terrible. Just never want to pick him. Yeah, I thought I thought I thought that was right. Um all right, so you've got him well down in your rankings. I've got him sort of middle of the second round sort of an area. He was I think around that sort of a zone last season. I'm not I don't give a shit that he played through a thumb injury. It's not my problem. It's, it's not it's not predictive of anything going forward. I just think that there's very little to me that is changing with what Sabonis did last season in terms of usage, in terms of playmaking, which actually improved as the season went on. And, and if we look at some of his shooting numbers, Mitch, I think it didn't shoot like 8% from three over the first like two months of the season. And then he stepped it up as the season went on. I just, I don't see any rationale for a drop in what Sabonis does based on where he was last season. You've got him like as a third round sort of player and I, I just I can't I can't understand why you think that he is going to be changing that much from last season. Well, look, to be honest, I actually haven't changed his stats all that much. I think I've pretty much got him doing the exact same thing from last year. I have dropped his assists a little bit compared to last year. So my projections, he averaged seven point three last year. I've got him at six point nine. So I think that's probably the biggest difference. The only reason I did that is because last year was his career high in assists, playing next to Fox. How much do I believe that to be the case? Um, so I just dropped that a little bit. But other than that, I pretty much have him doing the exact same thing. It might just be more the fact of players like Mobley and some of these other guys taking another step forward and, and pushing him back down the board a little bit. But in terms of compared to what he did last year, I still pretty much have him leading the league in rebounds. 18, 19 points per game, solid uh, efficiency. The assist is still going to be there. Um, he just, again... No threes, steals, blocks, a poor free throw percentage is below average. Um, and this is just where he, he's, not a, he's not a huge scorer. Look, he's solid. He's fine. And I, like you said, I was down on him last year. I just can't seem to keep up with the um, excitement for Sabonis. But I do, obviously, in builds, he, he is someone that does make sense a lot of the time. But again, I just think on a overall value sense, he's not a second rounder to me. As he got comfortable with things last season, his assist rose. He was at 7.7 over the final 40 games of last season. And if there was someone, maybe it was you, I don't even know, someone was like debating something with me with Sabonis and said, oh yeah, but in the playoffs, they, they shut him down. Yeah, that's the playoffs. That doesn't mean anything. I am fully on board that Sabonis is not a guy that can actually take you very far in the playoffs. I've said this many times. That's why I criticized the Kings in that Halliburton trade because I just don't think Sabonis' issues offensively and defensively cause way, way bigger problems in the playoffs, but it's not the playoffs. Like that's not what I care about. And I think when you watch the Kings play, Sabonis, while Fox is the point guard, Sabonis is the point guard, and Fox is like a shooting guard who gets some assists. And Sabonis orchestrates everything, and Fox does the shooting. I just don't see huge amounts changing. Well, he, here's the the big full circle, Mitch. So, you, would you take Evan Mobley over Sabonis? It appears like you would. A hundred percent of the time. hundred percent of the time. Yeah, I'd much <laughs> rather get. I'd much rather get uh, a Mobley who, in, in my eyes, has the opportunity to exceed what even I've projected him. Um, and just, I want those blocks, the combination of blocks and points um, versus rebounds and assists. I just think that that combination is a bit better. And yeah, I just I would rather lock that away rather than having to get someone like a Walker Kessler or a Claxton or something like that and really just tank my points and force myself into a punt. 
points or a punt assist build in that kind of situation. So, yeah, uh, I'm I'm all aboard Mobley over Sabonis. I think part of Sabonis' appeal to me is that, yeah, it's hard if you are looking to gather assists to keep a really strong field goal percentage. And usually if you are targeting assists, your blocks are going to be low anyway. But Sabonis helps you get assists. He's one of the top probably 12 assist players in the NBA, I would say, for the coming season. But he'll give you a gigantic boost in that field goal percentage. And the free throws, like we could, that's that's not a problem. Like That's easily recoverable if you are building up those assists. He's just one of those really interesting players in that middle area that... You're right, the blocks aren't going to be there. But I think if you're targeting assists, which is what he brings, you're not going to be getting blocks in big chunks anyway. So that doesn't really matter. That is a that is a wild take, Mitch. Mobley over Sabonis. Cannot wait to see how right I end up being proved on that one. And the last one, this was the Rob Williams replacement because I went back to your list and had a look at it. And Clay Thompson was sitting very high, in my opinion. Clay Thompson is fine. Like, he is okay. He was terrible, I thought, to begin last season. He was awesome over the final three months of last season, and he looked absolutely washed in the playoffs. But if I'm going to use the playoff logic on Sabonis, I have to use it on Clay as well, that it doesn't, it's not the regular season. The problem is, is Clay's not 33, 34 years of age, and things can fall off at any point. And Clay's on ball defense in real life doesn't translate to fantasy. He's going to hit a lot of threes, and perhaps the absence of Draymond Green helps him a little bit, and the Chris Paul for Jordan Poole swap probably gives him a bit more in usage. But realistically, what is he? He's a points and threes guy. Like that's what he's giving you. Uh, I, if I have a look at where I've got, I think I've got him as like a player in the yeah, in the nineties. Oh, he's ADP is eighty one. I've got him in that area, but you've got him uh, you've got him higher. Than that, Mitchie. You've got him up in uh, the 60s. So I've got him in the in yep. the 80 to 90 sort of range. You've got him in the 60s. And I have a look at that list. Like if I, yeah, it's we can't really go just you know this guy ahead of this guy necessarily. But you've got him ahead of players like Jalen Williams, ahead of um, players like Tyler Hero that we mentioned before. You, I'm sure you've got him ahead of Anthony Simons. What's the rationale for an old crusty bastard like this that looked cooked in the playoffs? Yeah, well, look, I think if you if you just have a look, I think one of the things you said there was the key point where you've got Poole going out, you've got Chris yep. Paul coming in. So there's going to be half, there's going to have to be some more usage reliant on players like Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, Agreed. and Clay Thompson. Like those three guys are going to have to take a bigger step forward. The other thing about Clay Thompson is that he he played 69 games last year, and we have this kind of view of him being like an injury prone player. He had two major injuries, and obviously coming back after that major injury, or those two major injuries, he was he was down in his games played um, for obvious reasons. But last year he showed that he was quite healthy. The league has literally gone out of their way to tell Golden State, "Hey, stop resting your stars on the second night of back to backs." So. I think that's going to help um, Clay, at least from a durability standpoint. I also just think that you look at his week-to-week, um, you know, in a head-to-head league, like on any given night, he can drop 40 points and hit 10 threes. He can be like that kind of player that, um, you know, on any given night can give you a huge performance. So when you compare him, say, to someone like a Simons before, I think he's going to score more than Simons. He's going to hit more threes than Simons. He's going to do it more efficiently than a player like that. He probably won't have the assist, but he probably will be better in, you know, again, it's splitting hairs. You're not drafting Clay for rebounds and blocks, but he'll get more than that, more than Simons for that. So um, he just seems to me to have a bit more of an established role on a team that really values what he does. He obviously has his downsides. He's hugely strong in two to three categories and pretty poor across the rest. But again, when you just look at, you know, punt rankings and things like that. That's just where he falls. I probably wouldn't take him this high as what my projections have him just because he is old and, you know, that regression could come. But on a ins and outs basis in terms of players 
leaving or exiting. I, I think he's a slightly he has slightly better opportunity this season than he did last year. I, I agree in terms of the usage. I do think that he's going to jump up, and I think he's probably going to be second in you know, threes made per game again this season. Up in that market, just. We always know it, Mitch. We can always find threes anywhere off the waiver wire. There's going to be 30 guys who hit two threes a game that aren't drafted and just sitting sitting there. You can't, they're not going to do it at four threes a game necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got, I actually think that Clay at 81, which is ADP, which is about the same area I've got him, is reasonable. And if you, if you most of the time I see him slide to the 90s in yeah. that sort of a zone. And we talk about rankings and like you might have him in the 60s, but you're probably never going to draft him next year. You don't have to. And it's never a situation of like, I must have this bloke. Like it's like, ah, well, if he's there and he's at 75 or 80 and you take him, you go, well, you know what? I actually think I've snagged 20 spots of value here. And that is, that's useful. And that's sort of, that's a valuation difference. And that is, there's upside in that. If you've just taken a guy that you think is a comfortable 20 spots ahead of it, you don't have to go up and get him. You have to make him yours. But when he falls and you get him there, well, you're pretty happy with how that turns out. I'm just not sure that he's going to have that level of value. And I do agree on the durability point, but when a bloke's 33, I'm always going to be a little skeptical of um, health, uh, but it's more about recovery from injuries. And then decline. We we know decline starts at around 29. Um, How slow that decline is, is very dependent. Like, but at some point, blokes can just drop way off, and he's probably not going to. But if he has a season instead of shooting forty from three, he shoots thirty-seven. That wipes nearly everything out of what he does because that's really what he relies upon. I don't think I don't think he's going to do that. But you're relying upon that one pure elite skill, staying pure and elite. And if it goes to being very very good, then I think that a lot just gets wiped out. Yeah, I mean, that that is always a risk with these, I guess, one or two-dimensional players. But, um, yeah, I, I think if I'm worried about that for Clay Thompson, um, one of the best shooters of all time, then yeah, I, um, I think I'd be worried about a lot of players in the NBA. And I think then you just go down a bit of a slippery slope. So I, I, I still, like you said, I wouldn't draft him as high as I have him projected, just taking into a bit of that, like, age risk. But um, would I draft him over Anthony Simons? Yeah, I probably would, just because I'm more um, locked in in terms of, what his role will be this season. And uh, I've, I've got more runs on the board for a player like Clay than, than a silence. Well, Mitch, that brings us to the end. The four players we debated. I'm glad I was able to go 4-0 and against you. I'm sure that everyone would agree that I've won all of those. So we're off to a flying, absolute cracking start. You can go home, have a think about yourself. and have I'll a think. I'll just go about, reconsider my life. <laughs> have, a think, have a think about everything because I've clearly won all of these ones. You know what's going to be funny is there's going to be people who actually legitimately believe that I said that and that, that, I, that I truly believe that I beat you because I've got no idea. I just have my opinion. You're so arrogant, Josh. Man. I, just, I know. There's arrogance he, on this guy. He always, he always thinks he's right. Yeah, I know. I do think I'm right because if I didn't think I'd write... I, if I, I wouldn't believe it if I didn't think I'm right, but I'm very open to being wrong. And I understand how all of those things can go either way. But it is they are going to be really interesting ones to watch out. You know what, Mitch? I want Evan Mobley to be that good. I'm a big, massive Evan Mobley believer. I just think it's coming next year. And we'll see how this all pans out. But tell us what's cracking over at Ball Boys. I know you're doing the um, top 25 most interesting players in the NBA. So what's uh, what's going on over there? Yeah, so we've got uh, well, we've got videos, podcasts coming out every day, basically from now until the lead up to the season. So yeah, we're doing a top twenty-five uh, countdown of most interesting players. So I think we just released number twenty-two, which was Johnny Collins today. Um, uh, yeah, so just basically counting down every day. I'm highlighting, going into a bit of a deep dive into players that, again, it's just my subjective list on th- players I think that are interesting and have uh, a wide range of an- outcomes this season. Uh, but also coming on with, I'm going to be doing some sleepers and busts, must draft, do not drafts, um, first and second round pairings, I think are coming out, which uh, is a very popular video of mine as well. 
But yeah, also check out ballboysemia.com. Season guides coming out. We've just actually released, I've just released my dynasty rankings, which took me so long to do. Um, so hopefully you guys can go and check that one out. And, you know, if you're keen on dynasties, get my thoughts over there. But uh, yeah, check all that sort of stuff out and follow me on Twitter at ballboysfantasy. Go check out Mitch's stuff. Go check out his YouTube and Ball Boys NBA and all that sort of stuff. As I said, like there's no one singular voice in anything we do here. It's all about different opinions and perspectives. And I appreciate everyone who watches this as Mitch appreciates everyone who watches him. And there's, there's room and space for everyone to do this stuff. So Mitch, thanks again for coming on and having a chat with me about the players that you're wrong on for the upcoming season. All right. Cheers, mate. And that'll do it for me today follow this podcast apple podcast google podcast stitcher spotify and on the odyssey app and on youtube you know what to do you thumb it all the way up you leave your comments down below and you subscribe you ring the bell yeah i think they're the things you do guys we are done here thank you so much for listening everyone see ya